Uh, how's everybody doing? It's good to see everybody. Um, those watching online, we are so glad that you are with us. And, um, you know, I just want to, I want to actually start uh, by just sharing a little bit of how ornery uh, I can be. Um, anybody else? Anybody else ornery? There's like four or five people. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll see if you can relate to this. I have a, I'm on the board of John Brandberg. I don't know if you know him. He used to be the youth pastor at Jubilee Fellowship, and he started a church called One Life, and I'm on his board. And so we had a board meeting on Tuesday, and I uh, went up to Jubilee Fellowship because uh, it's kind of a central location. And so we met at the offices there. And Pastor John is also on the board, Pastor John Leach. And so he is uh, talking with uh, John and Joanna uh, before our actual meeting. And I'm just sitting out in, in the room. And they get done with their meeting. And they're like, okay, hey, we'll go ahead and get started. But John was like, I have to use the restroom real quick. And so he runs into the restroom. And so I don't know. I don't know why I think this way. I don't know why I do these things. But I decided that it would be really fun to just stand right at the entrance to the door of the bathroom, okay? And so, you know, he, he's washing his hands. You can hear the, the paper towel thing going. I'm like, okay, here he comes, he comes. And he opens the door, and I go, hey, man. And, dude, he, he screamed. He was like, ah! And he reaches out, and he grabs my shirt, and he gives me a big old hug, and he's like, that wasn't right, May. That wasn't right. And then I remembered that he had a heart attack a few years ago. And I'm like, well, hey, here's the good news. Your heart is working well. That's how honorary I can be. I, I don't know why. I just thought I'd tell that story. So, hey, uh, we're going to jump into uh, our continuation of the Ephesians uh, study that we're on. We're in chapter 6 now. Um, we have one more after this weekend um, on the armor of God, and it's going to be just a really good one. Um, today, I find myself thinking, well, there's a lot of just practical application stuff in this teaching. And so um, here's what I'm going to do. I want to I wanna do something a little bit different. I'm going to open up, and I'm going to ask God um, that he would speak through me and he would speak to you guys. Um, here's what I want to, you to pray. I was just thinking as Janelle was leading us in that song, all my love, all my love, all my love. Um, what is an area in your life that you actually need to give him all the love? Just one area. Obviously, we have a lifetime of different things to think of. Um, but I am just, I was sitting in the back there just worshiping as she was just saying, all my love, all my love. And I thought, you know what? A great practical um, application or way to apply that to our lives is to actually just go before him and ask him and, and ask him to speak that one thing. Uh, not change everything, but let's go to the one thing and, um, and let's just work on that. And so maybe for some of you, this might be the most important thing of the entire weekend and it may be the thing you live on for all week, uh, but let's just go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and uh, God, we just collectively, whether um, here in person or uh, online watching um, in their living room or office or listening in a car. God, I, I pray right now that you would reveal um, just one thing, one thing in our lives, God, that we need to give over to you, that we need to give all of our love in that particular area to you. 
And God, I know you're quick to respond. And so as I'm praying these things, I pray that you would just listen very closely to that first thought. Is it a relationship? Is it um, your marriage? Is it um, your kids? Is it your parents, the things we're gonna be talking about today? Um, Is it something at work? Is it something with health? Lord, I pray that you would just pinpoint those things in our hearts and our minds. And God, we give them to you this week. God, we give them over to you. And God, help us to focus on that area, just that one area this week. And God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would begin to show us what it looks like to give you all of our love in that particular area. And we do so, God, with just glad and joyful hearts. We give you all of our love, all of our love in this particular area, Lord. We thank you that you speak directly to us. We come against the enemy that would love to snatch the idea that you just told us, and he would like to convince us that that's not from you. God, we, we come to you, and we, we appreciate that you speak to us. And so now give us the courage and the boldness to step out in those things. Lord, I pray for this message right now, and I pray that you would speak to our hearts, direct us, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, Ephesians 6. I'm going to start with the first three verses, and it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now, it's really interesting to me here that um, Paul actually refers back to the Ten Commandments. And this is one of the commandments, um, number five, I believe, that says, hey, honor your mother and father, and it comes with a promise that you will have long life. And he actually refers to it here. Um, And so I I got to thinking about this, and I asked the teaching team, and I want to ask you guys real quick, um, at what age does this instruction stop? 13. You don't think you have to obey and honor your parents after 13? That's when it stopped? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm slow, but now I get it. You're, I, at 13, all of a sudden, the children stop doing that. I get that. I, I, I can see that. And then somewhere around, hopefully, 21, 24, it comes back, right? Yeah, I, I get that. I get what you're saying there. Uh, anybody, anybody think that there's an age that it just stops? Angela. Okay. So the honor part could continue, but not the obey part, right? They don't try to tell you what to do. Some people who are in their 50s have their 70 and 80-year-old parents telling them what to do still. Um, I, I personally think that that is um, right on. I, I think that this never goes away. I think that there should be in your heart and in your mind this desire to actually obey and honor your parents. Now, let me speak to you. I know DJ taught us this a long time ago, but I want to remind you of this. The word obey there, the word obey means this, to listen and to attend to. 
And then it goes on in the description and it means to attentively listen, to really listen from under. Now, what's interesting is it automatically put me back to Ephesians 5.21 where it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You're making a conscious decision to put yourself under and in this case, it's saying that you are putting yourself in a place where you will listen and put yourself under your parent. And I don't think that that ever goes away. I don't think it should ever go away. I think there should be an intentionality in every single one of us, and I think Paul is trying to teach us this, that when it comes to the relationship with our parents, we should always be willing to give listen, to give heart, to put ourselves under and say, hey, let me hear what you have to say here, and in the middle of that, then honor them. Honor them in whatever ways that you feel like the Lord is leading you to, to honor them. I actually, um, the, the word honor means is to fix value, to put a price on. I, I value at a price, I honor, I, I have reverence for. And so here's, here's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to just challenge you with. I think these are really practical, there's four practical things in, in the scripture today. First one is this, we need to be very intentional about putting ourselves in a place where we will listen to our parents and we will honor them. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in regards to those areas. And ask him to guide and lead you in an area that maybe, uh, maybe you struggle. Because I realize not every uh, parental child relationship is good. I totally understand that. But just because they're imperfect and maybe, and maybe they're this pendulum of imperfection swings way over here, and maybe um, they've wronged you in many ways. I just felt like this was an appropriate time and a, and a time to go, hey, church, even though they may be way over here and mistreated you or, or they don't get the parenting part of this, which we'll talk about in just a minute, does that change what our responsibility is in this scripture? It doesn't tell us to obey and honor if they earn it, if they do everything perfectly, it says that we're supposed to listen to them and honor them because they are our parents, period. I was thinking about this. I, 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 <laughs> my mom, I love my mom. Um, and there's times where I've disagreed with her. There's things that she has done that I have, um, don't agree that, you know, I don't think she should have done that or whatever. Um, and so I found myself, um, at a point of my life, um, not honoring her. And God has given me an incredibly, incredible opportunity in the last, um, year and a half or so. Um, my mom, um, asked me for financial help. And it would have been real easy to say, hey, I don't have time to do that and I don't want to, but I was, like, man, I would love to help you out in this area, and I would, I would love to have the honor of helping you in this. And what's been really cool is every single week we have a phone call, and we talk, and I help her through finances. I put her onto a, a, a program that keeps track of finances and does budgeting, and I have just enjoyed that time with my mom, and I just want to encourage you. I ask the Holy Spirit to give you a, an, an idea or a thought of how that you can apply listening or honor to your parents, no matter where they are, no matter what age. Now, for those that have had parents pass on and you, you no longer, hey, guess what? I guess that's when you're exempt. 
and you still honor who they are, right, in your life. But um, for those that still have parents alive, ask the Holy Spirit, what, what about this? I think that Jesus, who is our walking, talking example, right, that we should look up to and live up to, um, I want you to know this. Jesus, on the cross, just before he died, made sure that he took care of his mom. Um, in John 19, 26, 27, he actually says, um, mother, this is your son, pointing to John, and to John, uh, John, this is your mother. Because he knew that um, it would be honoring to take care of his mom, even before he gave his final breath on the cross. Can you imagine how much pain he was in? And that that's one of the things that he thought. I just thought that was really powerful. It goes on, it says Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Now, the word exasperate there means to not provoke, um, or do not provoke. Um, if you look it up in the Greek, it actually means to provoke to anger from close beside, to push someone's buttons, to push someone's buttons. Okay, um, how many of you know that when you're raising your child, um, <laughs> they know how to push your buttons? They absolutely do know how to push your buttons. And there's something about our human nature that when our buttons get pushed, we want to fight back and we want to push buttons back. And yet this scripture says, don't do that. Instead, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The bringing up, it means to bring to maturity and to nourish. And so I, I was just praying about this and like, okay, so what... What do you want me to instruct and how do you want me to teach this, this portion? I just wanted to challenge all the parents in here and just ask you to invite the Holy Spirit in and ask this question. How are you doing in your close beside time with your kids? How are you doing with your close beside time? Because it says um, that we can either push buttons or we can train and bring up. And I think our Heavenly Father um, sets an example for us in the fact that he is not a gray head, gray beard, austere, angry God, but he is a God that blesses. And you can see it all the way through the word of God from Genesis all the way through Revelation. The heart of God is to bless. It's to bless. And now I realize that when your kids are pushing your buttons and they are just just doing things that you're like, I don't know what to do. Um, I realize that it gets hard to do that. And I understand that from time to time, we respond then out of our flesh and we push buttons back. But parents, I want, I want to just tell you that when you go to the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you, you know what? He's gonna give you his heart and he's going to help you to begin to see that, you know what? I don't need to push buttons back with my kids. What I need to do is actually deal with their heart and go after their heart and find out why it is that they're doing the things that they're doing. And what's interesting with this is the Holy Spirit will give you instruction and he will lead you. Uh, I remember this time where Alyssa um, was, was going through this really pouty stage in her life and we couldn't figure out what was happening and um, we were driving home one day and uh, Andrew and Alyssa were kind of snipping at each other and we kind of, hey, stop it. And she got into this pouty thing. And so it was like, 
5.36 o'clock, we pull up into the uh, garage and she comes in and right off the garage was our laundry room. And she walks right into her laundry room. She starts taking off her clothes and we're like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm going to bed. And, and this is what she was doing. She was just isolating, pulling herself. So I go sit in the laundry room with her and I said, no, we're gonna talk about this. And so she kind of corners get into the back of the laundry room and she's just not talking to me. And, and so I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what is going on. Help me to know how to do this. Now, how many of you know that I could have pushed buttons and I could have gone and said, Alyssa, you need to talk. I'm your parent. You're the child and you need to do what I tell you to do. And you need to tell me what's going on. And, and there's so many different things that, that could have happened there. Um, but I just felt led to pray. And I just asked God, God, what is going on here? What do I need to do? And the Holy Spirit whispered one of the strangest things that he ever whispered to me in regards to parenting and, and doing things. He told me this, tell her that you will last longer than she will. And I'm like, what? That can't be from God. And I just tell her that. So I looked at her and I said, Alyssa, I will last longer than you will. She waited for a little bit. And then she kind of stepped out of the corner and she looked at me and she goes, I will last longer than you. And when she said that, the Holy Spirit instantly put into my brain, she's got pride. Now, I would have never guessed that with how she was doing the pouting and kind of isolating that stuff. But the Holy Spirit said, she's got pride. And I looked at her and I said, Alyssa, you have pride and you need to repent of that pride. You need to ask God for forgiveness and, and confess that to him and you need to let it go. And within about 30 seconds, she was crying, sitting on my lap and going, dad, will you do it for me? Will you do it for me? And I said, no, you've got to, but I'll help you and I'll give you the words to say. And so I led her through a prayer of repentance. And from that day, the attitude never happened again. I'm just telling you, as parents, God cares for you and wants to help you and wants to instruct you. I just wonder if we get so busy and caught up in, in the moments of what we're doing that we forget to go to God on the things that we need help on the most. Anybody? Why is God like the last one we go to? I wanna encourage you, if you're struggling with your kids, Go to God, ask him for guidance, ask him to lead you, ask him to speak words to you to actually help to parent your kid because he wants to help you train them in the instruction of the Lord. And so I'm gonna stop for a second because I feel like I'm supposed to pray. I'm gonna pray for two different individuals. One, for the individual that maybe doesn't have a good relationship with their parents. And I'm gonna pray for parents that maybe have been struggling in their relationship with their kids. And so, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and God, I, I, I just sense that you want to stop this entire service right now, just to meet people where they're at. And so, Lord, if there are people in here right now that just do not have a good relationship with their parents, Lord, I pray that you would heal and that you would reconcile. And God, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would do the supernatural, and that you would do something that's just so incredible, that you would speak such direction, God, that um, we would see breakthrough in relationship with parents. And God, I pray 
that you would give us the courage and the boldness to step out into the things that you've asked us to step out into when it comes to this concept of listening to our parents and honoring them. God, I pray for broken relationships that you would come in and that you would heal and that you would mend. And God, I pray that you, that you would get glory in it. God, that you would get glory in it. Because I know when family relationships aren't right, there is just always something that is just inside of us that just never feels that complete freedom. And God, I pray for freedom over people in here. So give them that freedom. And now, Lord, I pray for parents, for parents that may have little ones, parents that may have teenagers, parents that may have young adults that are not doing things um, in the way that um, either they were brought up or in the way that their parents were hoping or, or desiring or wanting. And God, I pray that you would give parents great wisdom, <laughs> great wisdom, God. Give them wisdom that goes beyond even their years and their maturity. God, I pray that you would give them insight and direction. Lord, I pray that for every single child, that you would give them a different word, that you would give them a different instruction, that you would give them a different understanding of each one of their kids, and that they would parent from a position where they're hearing from you and then addressing the heart and not trying to deal with the surface area like the top layer of an onion, but God, that you would take every single parent right now, and that you would take them down into the heart of their child, and that you would give them great inst instruction and wisdom. Lord, we thank you for that. God, we pray for the supernatural in relationships with our kids. And Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, goes on. Ephesians 6, 5 and 8, 5, or 5 through 8. And it says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Okay, we live in Castle Rock in Douglas County in Colorado. Um, I am fairly certain that I can say with 100% confidence that no one in here owns a slave and that there are none of you in here that are actually owned by somebody as a slave, okay? And so when you read this section, you could lose what I believe are some really good nuggets that God has for us. And so I was looking uh, into some different things and I found this commentary that I wanted to read to you. Um, and then I'm gonna reread the scripture with a different understanding. Here's the commentary. Slavery continues to flourish in our world today, much to our shame, though it is often called human trafficking or forced labor. The inner logic of these verses as well as the broader story of Ephesians, motivates us to work for the end of slavery. Most of us, however, will not experience slavery in a personal way, either as slaves or as masters. Yet we do find ourselves in workplace relationships where someone has authority over another person. By analogy, these verses teach both employees 
and employers to order, perform, and reward only work that can be done by or for Christ. When we are ordered to do good work, the issue is simple, though not always easy. We do it to the best of our ability, regardless of the compensation or appreciation we receive from our bosses, customers, regulators, or anyone else in authority over us. I think we can take this scripture, and I want to acknowledge and, and understand there is slavery in this world. Um, and I'm not passing by that, and I'm not I'm trying to discount that, but here's what I do know. Um, I think if we replace slaves with employees and masters with employers, there's some really good nuggets that you can get out of this. So let me read it again. Employees, obey your employers with respect and fear and with sincerity. Does that have a little more pang to it? <laughs> Ouch, ooh, oh, okay. With sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as employees of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are employees or employers. Okay, um, if you're an employee, the word sincerity right there where it says, um, and with sincerity of heart that you are supposed to obey. Now remember, obey, same word here, listen. It's to listen. It's actually to submit yourself, put yourself under, and listen. Listen to your employer. Um, with sincerity of heart, it means singleness. And I think we miss this a lot. I believe that what Paul is trying to teach us in this is this. We need to treat what we do and our work for another person. We need to treat it as if we are treating or as we are serving God. And we need to have that singularity mindset. I have had many times where people will come and tell me, well, I do submit to God's authority. And I said, oh, you do? That's great. And then I'll say, how are you doing in submitting to your boss? And they're like, oh, man, he's a jerk. No way. I won't submit to him. Do you realize the word of God says that in order to follow and serve him and to submit to God, that we're supposed to submit to our authorities? No rousing amen here. I know they're shouting back at me from home. They're like, amen, then. Yeah, this is good. Woohoo. Um, hey, the truth is, I don't, I don't think any of us really like this because our employers are imperfect people. And because of that, um, sometimes they just don't lead very well. And I totally get that. But again, I'm going to come back to what I did with uh, honoring our parents. Does that change what our role is and how we should respond to our employers? I don't think it changes it at all. I think we're supposed to serve as if we were serving Christ. Now, if they're asking you to do something that goes against the Bible, of course, you don't do that. But most of the people that are working, that have disagreements with their employers, they just are simply personality differences. There's things that rub, the things that they don't like. Maybe the, they don't lead real well, and so you have a hard time getting on. Hey, listen, um, I know you may not think this, but we live in a free country, and you can change positions and jobs anytime you want to. And so get this understanding and grab a hold of this. The word wholeheartedly there where it says that we are to serve wholeheartedly, it means this. 
It's a breath. It's the soul, the vital breath, the breath of life. What he's saying is we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to work with everything that is in us. And that, my friends, is from the word of God, and I encourage you, bring it to the Holy Spirit and just ask him, how am I doing? Am I serving wholeheartedly with all of my breath, with everything I have as if I were serving you? Because that's where the reward is. That's where this says the reward comes. The Lord will reward each one of you for whatever good you do. And I realize this is a challenging word, and there is no condemnation, there is no guilt in those who serve the Lord. But if the Holy Spirit comes and starts to speak to you, I believe there's great freedom in submitting and putting ourselves in under authority. That's, that's when God can truly come in and do just supernatural things to us, in us and through us. Is he okay? Choked up a little bit? <laughs> I was thinking, what's a good example of this? And I think you would all agree that Joseph, and I don't have the time to go into the whole story, but you know that um, basically Joseph's brothers got super jealous of him, and uh, they sell him into slavery. Now, he could have pouted. He could have put his head down. He could, could have gone, woe is me. Um, I can't believe you did this to me, God. God, I thought you were such a good God, and how could this ever happen to me? He could have gone into the whole victim mentality, but that's not what he did. This is what he did. No matter where he ended up, he served wholeheartedly. He served Potiphar as if Potiphar was God himself. And then, in the middle of that, things go terribly wrong. Again, he could have pouted and cried and, and said, God, how can this be? When he gets... Um, put in prison. And that's not what he does, though. What does he do? He goes into prison, and he, ser he serves wholeheartedly. In prison. In prison. I mean, talk about a, a terrible place to be. And yet he goes, you know what? I'm going to make the best of what I got, and I'm going to just do what I can. And I, I, I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I imagine it that he is, here he's in prison, and these guards and things, just, they, they start coming in, and he starts just asking them crazy questions like, hey, how can I serve you today? What are you talking about? Oh, I want to help you. How can I help you? And they're like, what are you talking? Get in your cell, you know? And then all of a sudden, one of them takes him up on it. Well, you can go over here. Okay, I'll gladly do it. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. He earns this position even in prison just because he serves wholeheartedly. Again, take this before the Lord and just ask, God, how am I doing here? I believe that God can bless us when we submit to our authorities. And uh, there's honor in that. And it actually says for the employer, uh, in verse 9 it says, and employers treat your employees in the same way. What's the same way? Well, you have to read 7 through 8. And you'll see how it's supposed to go back and forth. And it says, do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. If you're an employer, if you're a manager, if you are someone that has the authority over other people, um, remember that you are supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, which means that if you put yourself below 
the employee. I promise you this, that you will receive honor and respect when you do that. We all like leaders who will actually wash our feet. Yes? We all like that. And yet there's something in our physical, in our nature, in our human nature, that when we get to be the position of authority, that we go, ha I got it. And then we exercise and we misuse that authority. And I would just ask you, if you're an employer, would you go before the Lord and ask him how you're doing? And let him be real with you. Let him be truthful and honest to you. And then let him sharpen you in regards to being the best leader that he has for you to be. Because he wants you, he wants you to reflect him in how you lead the people that you're in charge of. I was asking God, um, what does this look like? And he just highlighted the word favoritism to me. If you look it up, it means respecter of persons, partiality, favoritism. Um, And it says in this that you should have no favoritism. You know what? God sees equality, do we? Even last week when we were talking about marriage, the whole thing that I started with was that this is an equal partnership that we're supposed to submit to one another because there's an equality, but in that equality, we have different roles and we have different parts to play. In a work situation, somebody's gotta be the leader and somebody's gotta be the one that follows. Yes? It's the way that it works. But it doesn't mean that one is higher than the other. In God's economy, he says no, it just means you have different roles, you have different parts to play, but there's no favoritism. There's an equality in that. And if employers would get that, and if employees would get that, we would have much better places to work in, yes? Be incredible. So I asked God, give me, what's an example? And then I couldn't come up with one, so I asked my wise wife. And she was like, well, why don't you just use Joseph again? Because think about it. Joseph gets promoted in Egypt, and now he is the second in command to Pharaoh, and he's got all authority, and he can do whatever he wants. And his brothers come in who sold him to slavery. What would you do? What would you do? I know what I would do. I would find some way to crush him because I'm the guy that stands at a bathroom door and scares his pastor. I know what I would do, but man, that's not what Joseph, you know what Joseph does? Man, he plays a little game with them. I mean, if you read through the story, a little, okay, where's your youngest brother? And I mean, he does all that. But ultimately, what does he do? He loves them. He loves them. And he brings them in and he gives them home and shelter and food in a time where there was great famine. The family probably would have died. And I think in our mindset, he had every right to go ahead and let them die. But that's not what he did. What does he do? He loves them. And the greatest example of this is Jesus, actually, in Philippians 2, 6 through, 7, where, or through 11, where it says that he, though he could be the top dog, this is my paraphrase of that, he could be the top dog, he submitted himself under us to serve us even though he had every right to lead in whatever way he wanted to, he submitted himself under and gave his life for you and I. 
And so if you have leadership over somebody, I would just challenge you, how are you doing? Are you leading like Jesus? Are you leading like Jesus? Or are you leading like people in this world lead? And when people lead like Jesus, man, it's amazing the difference they make. And it's amazing the impact they can have. And so go before the Holy Spirit and ask him, how can I be the best employee? How can I be the best employer? Got to pinpoint and direct those things in, in my heart, in my life. And so Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you give us instruction here on just practical, everyday things. Relationships with our parents, with our kids, relationships with our employees or our employers. God, it doesn't get any more practical than that. We are living these things every single day. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come into our hearts and you would come into our minds and that you would give us direction as to be the best kids to our parents to the parents that you gave us, to be the best parents to the kids that you gave us, to be the best employees that we can be, to be the best employers we can be, also that we give you glory. Because this is what it's about. It's about being the light in this world. And God, um, I, I read a devotion this week and it basically says this. Um, when we are the light, when we seek the light, it helps us to become more like Christ, and as we become more like Christ, we reflect him more. As we reflect him more, we wanna be more in the light, and it just keeps going and going. As we get more in the light, we become more like him, we reflect more of him, and then that wants us to be more in light, and God, that's what I pray. I pray that you, in particular in these areas, would help us to know what it looks like to walk in the light and not in the darkness. Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen, amen.